Hey everybody, welcome to Minister Misfits. Yeah, if you're watching today, which most people just like to listen, which is great too, but we're not in our normal Ministry Misfit attire. And we're not in Star Wars gear either. No, or Christmas. Or Christmas, which was also Star Wars gear. That's true, so, yeah, it did you cross know, over. We, you know, we, uh, we're, we're, we have limited taste. So, <laughs> yes, we we are dressed a little bit differently, and you'll, you'll hear why shortly. But speaking of dressing a little differently, make sure you are going and checking out the merch store because we've found some new templates and are having a lot of fun. And maybe I'm having too much fun and Brandon's putting the brakes on it a little bit, but that's for your benefit and for me to calm down. So Yeah, but there's some neat new designs. Yes, yeah, so we got a few, and- few, including for our international audience, we've got a nice fun one that we think we did correctly, assuming Google is not messing with us which you know that's never not always that's always an option so sounded like me this morning yeah you know not always never. I, I use google translate for that one um anyway the past few weeks though we have had some interesting discussions online we've had some interesting discussions that have led to episodes We've had some interesting episodes and some interesting conversations within the episodes and a lot of different fun things going on. So the past few weeks, last week we talked promises. Mm-hmm. Then we And covenants. With and that. covenants. Yep. The week before we were talking discipleship with Dr. Linville and Timothy relationships both in the family and in the church. And then the week before that, I think it was the week before that, maybe it was two weeks before that, we were talking about what it means to disagree. Mm-hmm. And have disagreements and arguments and non-arguments and what's sin and what's not and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Now today, we're going to actually talk about something that is related to all of these that have kind of accidentally led up to this. But this is something that you and I have been talking about for a while. Anybody that had listened to me when I was doing some guest spots over on Kingdom on the Road, knows that me and Ant talked about this a lot on there as well. And it's this idea of tribalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to break down to and is not typically the word that one would use on a day-to-day basis. Uh, it could be more of like a team, group, right. or just not even have a name necessarily to it, well, and but it- still have a set group connected to and it, it and it shows itself body. it shows itself in different forms also yes because you know like right now we're dressed in well i'm in a uniform you're in your boxing club attire yeah yeah those are two different tribes but they're not necessarily ever considered tribes yours is literally called a club both will fight yes both <laughs> will fight both will fight and we can get into the whole uh, biblical defensible sports here another time. On another but, note, one of my favorite things that our Spanish teacher would say growing up, he said, I went to a, a boxing match and a hockey game broke out. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we we are we have uniforms on, but we normally consider those things as teams. You know, when we talk politics, you have parties. You have national identities, which normally are considered nationalities. Mm -hmm. You have ethnic identities, which are normally associated with cultural ethnicity. But then you also, at times, within the idea, have tribes within those different ethnicities or different cultures or different nations. And so we have all of these different words, but all of them really come together to with the same idea of is forming of a team or tribe around a sift specific ideal or a specific leader Mm -hmm. so you know in the in you know the history books of wow that was weird i hit the wrong button in the history books side of israel the tribe of israel initially was somebody that united around who around abraham not Abraham. They united. They united around Israel, right? They right. united around Jacob. Gotcha. Yeah. Abraham had multiple nations that came out of him, and multiple tribes formed. You know, the Ishmaelites were an Abrahamic tribe. You know, then you've got you know even with Isaac, 
Isaac doesn't even have a tribe. Isaac just had a couple sons. But Esau went off and was a tribe. But then Jacob was renamed Israel and then became a nation that had 12 sons who also became 12 or 10 sons that became tribes. And then his grandson or two of his grandsons also became tribes. So you've got all of these different layers and things like that going through. Mm -hmm. But that is not what we're actually talking about today when we talk about tribalism. No, because the other thing too is, well, there's typically a large loyalty to this group or whatever that might be a part of it as well. And it's also not traditionally sinful in nature. Like tribalism is right. not sinful in nature, but sin can come from that. Right. The I mean, Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. when God separates everybody out, he does so by giving everybody different languages. And so all those languages gathered together. And part of why that happens is so that they would spread out from Mesopotamia and actually fill the earth. So it was not sinful for them to tribalize at that time because that was literally what God's plan was. But there is some issues within tribalism that we have to address as the church. So there's a couple of different tribes that form within a especially American Christianity. So, Brandon, let's see how many of them you can name that I've got on my list here. What are some of these different tribes that have formed? I guess I need I need at least a, an example of one. So, like, so I'm one at least heading in got, the right direction. One that I have on here would be just the whole idea of the Christian nationalist tribe, yeah, sure. right? They are the theonomists, the theocritists, the Christian nationalists. They have all tribalized together over an ideal within what they believe to be Christianity. Gotcha. Okay. So, so there are other examples of these ideals within Christianity that people have tribalized around. So give me a couple. See if you can give me a couple here. Well, since you said Christian side, I'm not sure how this will fall. But even just within politics, I mean, you've got the big... politics is one of them. Yes, okay. because it is a part of the Christian side as well. Right. We've yes. talked about this before. You have people claiming that if you vote, if you don't vote Republican, then you are not a Christian. Mm-hmm. You have tribalized around Republicanism at that point. What are some others? Let's see if you got any others. Um, I mean, just the Christian Christianity itself, as far as the different religions. As for, as not far, religions, different words. Starts with a D. Call it. No. <laughs> Well, diocese is a word that we use within Catholicism for different locations. That's a good kind of tribalism. We're not a problem with that. <laughs> denominations, right? Yeah, there we go. Okay. You know, the different denominations are all different tribalism type things. And those are both sometimes good and sometimes bad. And we'll get into why it's a mix of the two later on. You got any others in your that you can think of right away? Um. I mean, you named you named some of the other ones, which is like nationality or ethnicity. Ethnicity which is, is one, yeah. Which, and again, that can be good or bad. Correct. Um, I mean, there are always... three others that I've got on my list, and we've talked about we talked about one of them during Cold War theology, as far as their rise. See if you can remember back. I'm just thinking some sort of like socioeconomical. Ooh, I didn't have that, but that is a good one. (laughs) That one's maybe a little bit harder to parse out. Yes and no. And we may get to that as well. The other three that I had, though, we have, you know, fundamentalism, right? Mm -hmm. This we are going to all be relied around this one thing. Calvinism. Everybody's relied there. Arminianism. Everybody's allied there. And then you've got those of us that don't have any allegiance to any of those whatsoever. (laughs) To Christ. Right, right. Well, and that's part of what we're going to get to is how does this, what does this actually look like? We know that there's tribalism within the church. So what does this actually look like? So we are going to try and break this down into a couple of sections here. So we're going to start off, we already named tribalism within the church, but we need to actually address it a little bit more clearly. So we're going to talk about tribalism within the church. Then we're going to talk about the opposite of that. So what unity looks like. And then we want to eventually get around to what are we actually supposed to be looking like. Yep. 
Because like we said, tribalism isn't in itself bad. Unity in itself isn't necessarily good. So what are we actually supposed to look like? <laughs> yes. Because unfortunately, as with most sin, in my opinion, pride is what creeps in and steps into the scene. And that's where a lot of the sin starts to grow. Well, I mean, we've said this before on here. You know, all sin is really the breaking of which covenant? Or not covenant, which commandment? The second. No. Commandment one, right? Creating no other. No other gods gods before me. Because as soon as we, if God is the first God that we've gotten is right in our, our vision at all times, we aren't going to sin. But it's impossible for us to keep God, number one, in our vision at all times. And so we always end up sinning. And normally the God that we put before him is who? Ourselves. Ourselves. And so pride, that's literally what it is, is making ourselves God. It's about us and nobody else, including God. Mm -hmm. So pride sneaking in is going to be a big piece of this, but it's going to look differently than we normally think of it as pride which prides also is a type of tribe true shout out to the lion king and i (laughs) wish right now that i had the like you know giant sunrise music on anyway next episode you'll next episode yeah next episode we'll we'll you won't make that mistake we'll do disney theme next time all right so what we're going to talk about now we are going to talk about tribalism in the church so we already gave a few examples of current examples of it within the church of you know nationalism fundamentalism calvinism arminianism all the thousands of denominations the the different ethnic socioeconomic groups the different actual race groups that we've got the different political groups all of these different things and honestly we also probably could throw in even bible translations on there as well as things people tribalize around mm-hmm. We know that it's here, and we know that it can be a problem. But there are also a few other examples. And specifically for time, we're going to look at two of them unless you have another one. But, Brandon, give me, from the past few weeks, there was a very big example of tribalism within the New Testament church that we talked about Paul and Peter fighting over. Do you remember what it was? I didn't know if it was the one with Paul and Peter. Yes. Where um, Peter was eating with the two groups and basically showing favoritism to one over the other. Right. And not only was that a problem because he was showing favoritism, but specifically the tribes that were forming were what was referred to as the Judaizers. You must become Jewish to become Christian. And so you have to get circumcised. They're also sometimes called the circumcision party. That you have to be circumcised in order to join our church. And now the fun thing with Paul is that Paul was playing 4D chess with a lot of these guys from a church politics standpoint. Because Timothy, he he has circumcised to appease the Jews at that time in that place. But then with Titus, he intentionally forbids him to get circumcised to mess with the same people that he was appeasing earlier on. (laughs) Because it made sense for Timothy, who was half Jewish, to get circumcised. It did not make sense for Titus, who was fully Greek, Mm. to, to not be. And so it was not about joining a tribe. It was about being, for full rubric, Strategically relevant, mm. right? Strategically relevant, efficiently effective. It was more efficient for Timothy to be circumcised to serve. It was more efficient for Titus not to. And so there's always this weird nuance wiggle room with a lot of these topics. But then the other big one, and this is the one that anybody that had listened to me over on Kingdom on the Road when Ant was on, knows that this is the one that I like to sit in for a while. Because we're going to read a section out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that we actually put out a survey back like six months ago asking how many people had ever actually heard this preached from the pulpit 
Yeah, and I the, don't think was was there one person. The only people that had were either me and Aunt who had preached it ourselves, or people that are part of a liturgical church. Which I guess that would be another section subsection of tribes within the denominationalism. The liturgical church has a playbook that they read from where they get through the entire scriptures within like a three year period. So they obviously heard this preached, but those that are not a part of that. It was very rare until 2020, but when it was preached, it was not preached in the way that it actually reads. And we're going to talk about how that is part of this whole tribalism thing after we read it real quick. So we are going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. Now I urge you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no division among you, and that you be united with, with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers, by members of Chloe's household, that there is rivalry among you. What I am saying is this. Each of you says, I'm with Paul, or I'm with Apollos, or I'm with Cephas, or I'm with Christ. Is Christ divided? Was it Paul who was crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to evangelize, not with clever words, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. Now, a couple of fun things out of this first. <laughs> is that just like we talked about when he in Philippians, Paul is calling out, but who he's baptized. Well, he's calling out Chloe, first of all. It's like, True. so I know you guys are arguing because Chloe snitched. <laughs> and now Chloe is now, for 2,000 years, looked as the one that reported back to Paul that there was a problem. <laughs> now, that's one, one part. The other side of this is the fact that I can just envision whoever it is that's writing for Paul right now, whether it's Luke or Mark or Timothy or Titus, whoever it is. That Paul is saying, I didn't baptize any of you but these two guys. And then he's like, ah, no, 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 no. There's some rambling on. We've got a few <laughs> others that you've got here. And you can tell very clearly that Paul is getting very annoyed. When it's like, I don't know if I did anybody else. Just leave that alone because that's not the point. Yeah, just leave that out for the footnotes. Yes, leave, that can go in the blooper section. So, but the bigger picture here. <laughs> is that Paul is talking about the fact that there had been tribalism forming within one local congregation. And it was around teaching. Hmm. So you've got some saying, I'm with Paul. Paul planted this church. Paul is our dude. You've got others like, no, I'm with Apollos, who is one of Paul's other disciples, Timothy relationships. And that for the most part, we're pretty, we're thinking he may have actually been the one that may have been left in Corinth originally, or he's one that also was sending letters. We also aren't so sure that he may be the writer of Hebrews, although I think it's Paul, but that's another debate for another time. Tribes. Woo. Um, then you've got others going, no, I'm with Peter. Cephas, Peter, I'm with Peter. Peter is the top dog. He is Mr. Apostle. He's the one that got that Christ himself renamed and said, you're the rock that we're going to build this on. He's the one that did the big speech and, and sermon in Acts chapter 2. He's the man. And then you've got some of you are like, no, I'm just with Jesus. You know, Jesus gave us everything. Why are we arguing about all this other stuff? And Paul is like, what are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. Is Christ divided? And then, and this is another key piece to this discussion, we'll get into it in a little bit. He goes with himself saying, did I die for you? Yeah, that's powerful right there. Was was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the right. name of Paul? Like that would stop anybody in their tracks right, right there with that statement of like, ooh. And what's the key? <laughs> Why is it so powerful? Whose name did he choose? chose himself. He chose himself. He didn't say Peter. Mm -hmm. He didn't say Apollos. Yeah, he wasn't finger pointing at them. It's not about them either. And he already knows Apollos and Peter would not be happy with this either. Yeah. So he's saying, why are you guys trying to show loyalty to me? The guy that just showed up and shared the message with you and then left. 
Is Christ divided? Did Paul die for you? Did did I even baptize you in my name since I have debate as to whether I even baptized you in yeah. the first place? <laughs> All of these sort of things need to be taught and understood for today's church because we already said we have all these different tribal factors going now brandon what do you think was the way that this was taught in 2020 based off of the list that we gave as far as the different tribes that we have forming within our churches part of it would be which president do you follow could be one of them no actually no luckily we didn't have anybody completely destroy this passage with christian national okay i I thought that might have been i know it's a safe guess normally but (laughs) no this time we're we are okay with that side of it no other 2020 event would it be the vaccine or the no so what we had the masking was actually related to the black lives matter movement Mm. A lot of the people that said that they had heard this preached specifically said they heard it in the summer of 2020 in the wake of George Floyd. Mm. And the pastor preached it in a way to say that there should be no Black Lives Matter movement because it's all lives matter because see that we should not have division. There's the unity. Yeah. That is has nothing to do with what Paul actually is saying in this passage. Mm -hmm. Because what Paul actually is showing is that what is the issue with the tribalism that had formed? Who was the tribes forming around? Around people. Celebrity pastors. Yeah, yeah, humans. (laughs) Celebrity pastors and celebrity teachers. Yeah, they were worshiping that person instead of... Christ. And so why do you think pastors would be afraid to preach this in their churches, Brandon? Well, the first thing that came to mind for me when I was reading through this is just, this is the, you could change these names with people in your community or your churches where there's been division or a larger church split or divide where I'm with this pastor. No, I'm with this pastor. And unfortunately, that's sometimes where the direction of the little church is going um but there should still be unity which we'll get into on on how right we're going to get into the unity side in a second but but for now we're talking about people being angry (laughs) but this is that's what initially where i thought of of, okay it's okay to have these conversations but who are you actually following who are you coming to church for on sunday are you coming are you coming here because you like this style of worship are you here to actually worship with Christ and be able to experience that? Um, are you here for that pastor style of teaching? Which again, we have preferences. Right. Which there's nothing the wrong with that. The style of teaching is not necessarily what we're even talking about. No. Because again, that's strategic relevance. Mm-hmm. That's efficient effectiveness. Yeah. What we're talking about though is the people, the, the, the tribes that form around a pastor because of the pastor's branding. Yeah, influence. Not because of his message. And so this is where we get into a lot of the different things we've got going on right now within American Christianity is we have a large portion of celebrity pastors that are not talking about this passage. Because if we talk about this passage as a celebrity pastor, there goes our book deal. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that, it takes, that's yeah. bottom line. That's what it is. Because like you said before, Paul immediately calls himself out of, right. of like, there's did no, I, did I die for you? Right. Did I, yeah. there's no saying, oh, well, we need to just look at how bad the governor, the governor of our state is. That's who the enemy is. No, it's, look, I am just a person like you following the same Jesus you are. So let's do this thing together. That's what Paul's message is here. Mm-hmm. But we don't hear that because Instead, we are wrapped up in different identities. This goes back to what you said before is the pride and the first commandment issues within the tribalism. Is that if we are more committed to being Calvinist than we are Christian, we have a major problem. Because now we are saying Calvin is the one that has died for us. If we are more committed to being Arminian 
than we are being Christian, then Arminianus is, Arminius is the one that died for us. If we are saying that we have to be Republican, then at that point, Trump is your Messiah. These sort of things creep in when we do not properly address what the role of a pastor, even a pastor that is in more of a prophet setting like Paul and Peter and Apollos. This is what happens when we don't actually address this ourselves. Because if we don't address it, people aren't even going to recognize when it happens. And I think we also see this creep into the music industry as well. Right. Um, We'll say with Christian artists that as outsiders or, or people that listen to their music, at times you can start to focus on that person and be like, all right, I want to be like them, or I want to have their type of lifestyle, or they feel they seem like they're preaching or rapping about Christ, and so I want to be like them. And then, again, you have to take a step back of, well, this is their experience first right. and foremost, so they're talking about what they've been through, uh, potentially, but then also realizing that they're hopefully pointing us back to Christ, but that the focus should not be on them. But again, in an industry like that, that's unfortunately. And what happens then when, when something bad comes out, if something bad comes out, so, you know, there, there's been an affair, there's Mm. been abuse, there's been something, you know, money laundering, whatever it is. If your faith is in that person, not, Christocentric. What happens when that person fails? Part of it feels personal sometimes of like, oh, there's just another failed example for a Christian or, okay, some people, if that's what their faith is rooted in, it becomes a shambles, which kind of should be. Uh, (laughs) It should be broken. It should be because it wasn't actual faith. Yeah. Rooted on solid ground. It was fandom. Yeah. And and what you just said there as well, as far as it becomes personal, is part of where, you know, we'll get personal for a minute. It's part of where we get accused of attacking individuals here within misfits. We don't name anybody. We're talking about a cultural phenomenon or an ideology. But if we start poking holes in it, the responses coming back are why are you picking on me Hmm. we're not we didn't even say your name or even your leader's name all we did was show that the ecclesiology alone is enough to throw christian nationalism out the window but when your allegiance is to that rather than to the actual what paul's talking about here the christocentric message of the cross any little attack is going to feel personal because it's your idol that is being attacked. Not you yourself. It's your idol that is being attacked. Mm -hmm. And I also think we see this within separate churches, within communities too, Mm -hmm. because that's one area where we don't see a lot of unity and even working together on is community. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If we have, if we serve the same God, we're working towards the same goals how do we work together in a community or how do we serve each other better? And very rarely do you ever see dual church, multiple church events um, to kind of come together and and bring that unity. And a lot of times it'll start with conversations of, Oh, what church do you go to? Oh, you guys do this, this, and this. And it usually starts with the negative. It is never the positive. It normally starts with either what translation of the Bible or whose Psalms you're singing. Mm Mm-hmm. Are the two big ones that it starts with. So we immediately go to the divisive portions in our conversation instead of there's probably a lot more that we're united on or that would be. Which is where we talked a few weeks ago on disagreements, right? Yes. What is your actual purpose in this conversation? (laughs) Because if you're going to get mad as soon as you find out that they've never opened a hymnal in their life or that their pastor wears jeans or, you know, insert whatever preference here. What was your purpose going in? Mm -hmm. Was it because you thought you found another tribe member or was it that you found another brother, sister in Christ that you are hoping to work with? 
and encourage and build each other up and move the kingdom forward. And so we're going to talk about that last part as far as what unity actually is right after we get back from this break. We'll be right back. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your online reach. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online listed on all major platforms within minutes of finishing your first recording. We just switched to Buzzsprout for Season 2 and have immediately noticed the difference. With Buzzsprout, you get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout and the Misfits want to help you get started. Contact us for a free consultation call, and then visit our affiliate link to get started with Buzzsprout. Using this link not only helps support the Misfits, but it also gets you a $20 Amazon gift card. The teams at Buzzsprout and Ministry Misfits are passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. To find out more, go to www.ministrymisfits.com backslash affiliates. Season 2 of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. Welcome back, everyone. Today, Andrew and I are talking about a fun topic of... Oh, it's always a fun topic, right? Right, exactly. It depends on your definition of fun. But anyways, we've been talking about tribalism today and what that looks like from a biblical standpoint, um, where we've seen the 12 tribes of... I'm trying to think where else we've, we've gone so far. Well, we, we looked at historically what what tribalism within scripture is both old testament and new testament we looked at what our current tribalism within the church is yeah we talked about some examples that we see right and then we also today and then we also looked at what paul says in first corinthians one Mm -hmm. as far as the fact that there shouldn't be any tribalism because these pastors are just people christ is the center this is why we you know First tier Christocentric theology, Christ at the center because that's where our focus is supposed to be. So now we're going to talk a little bit as far as this other side. We've talked about division and teams, and like we said, teams aren't always bad, tribes aren't always bad. The problem comes when it becomes a pride issue, mm-hmm. or the clicks, or the clicks, which is normally a pride issue also. Yes. <laughs> now the other side of this is unity. Which you're also united. Yeah, I've got my United Boxing hoodie That's on. Right. Like again, we always. So you're a United something. Tribe. Yes. Now, what we have here within unity is what normally we always hear people always just say when they're done arguing is well, well, we're just Christians are just supposed to be united. We're supposed to have unity, but we never actually explain what we mean because why would we do that? That makes things too easy to be able to not have these arguments anymore. (laughs) So we can't have that. So what we're going to do now is actually define what we're talking about and if unity actually is supposed to be our goal. So basic definition, Brandon, what do you think unity actually means? Would be the bringing together of 
two or more parties. Right. And normally it's bringing together in one accord, right? Yeah. One mind. You know, the, the Quaker, the Quaker phrase for this would be, you know, all hearts are clear. Hmm. You know, we're all united. All hearts are clear. We're working together as one, right? We are united. We are one. So the question then is, should unity be the goal? I would, um, I wouldn't say that's the goal necessarily. I mean, why? Because our commandments from God are to love Him and love others. Now that second one, then unity should stem out from loving others, especially as though, though you are Christians by your love, and that right. love look should look like unity. So it's almost a fruit that comes off of of love there. So. I say no with hesitancy because <laughs> it's not fully the direction that we should be headed toward, but in a way it is because that should be one of the fruits that should well, be. Well, and really the answer to this is that it depends on what we're united for and what we're united around. Because we already said back when we did disagreements, mm -hmm. sometimes the way to reconcile is to separate. Right. That was yeah. what we saw with Paul and Barnabas. Yeah. They separated Doing ministry in different places. And, and that was how they reconciled. But they were they were, however, still united because their mission and vision was the same. They just needed different people in different areas of the world to go to. So in that case, you have both disunity and unity both being the correct answer. Mm -hmm. So. When we talk about this idea of unity, we have to determine what it is we are actually supposed to be united around. And to do that, we're going to actually just let Jesus tell us this. Since we already said before, we would, you know, Paul's Paul's example in 1 Corinthians 1 was Christ is the one that has done all of this. So let's just follow him. You follow me after I follow Christ. That's not how 1 Corinthians 1. That's still Paul. <laughs> Yeah. So this is what it says in John 17, 20 through 26. So John 17, Brandon, you know the story? Where's Jesus at? Um, Without having it up in front of me, I do not know specifically where he is at. So John 17, this is after the Last Supper. They're in the garden. This John 17 is Jesus' prayer that he's praying while his disciples are falling asleep yeah, yeah. and not so keeping watch. Yeah, he's one-on-one -on -one with this God is, praying. Yeah, this is one-on-one -on -one Jesus with the Father. And now we're skipping through the first 20 verses where he talks about himself a little bit. He talks about his, his 12 disciples. And now we're skipping ahead to verse 20 through 26 where he's talking about us. Because he says, I pray not only for these, which would be the 12, but also for those who believe in me through their message, which would be us. Mm -hmm. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they be made completely one, so the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my glory, which you have given me, because you have loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and these have known that you that you sent me. I made your name known to them, and you will make it known, so the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Now, that's a tongue twister, but... There's a couple of different areas within this unity discussion that Jesus addresses very, very clearly, even though it's in almost a riddle. Mm -hmm. Still not as bad as I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do, and I don't do, 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 which is Paul again. That was and, good. Yeah, right? Now, what Jesus is praying for here, we already said, he's already prayed for the twelve. Now he's praying for those that come after the 12. This is the Timothy relationship stuff, right? Mm -hmm. This is discipleship. It's passing down through the generations and generations and generations. Fast forward 2,000 years, here we are. He's praying for us. And what is it that he prays for? What's the first thing? That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So I think from that we see, okay, they should be united because we, as in, 
Jesus, we're united Jesus, as an example. God, yeah. Right? And the Holy Spirit, the three in one, the Trinity that we talked about. Which is why the Trinity uni- is essential. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so there's that unity there of where we get our first example. Right. So in, in that case, it's just we are supposed to be one so that the world will believe that Christ has come and that God sent him. Why is it that the world only will believe Christ has come if there is unity? Or why is it that unity is something that will make the world believe Christ has come? That's actually the question I meant to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it that unity is something that will make the world believe? Because there's, I mean, I guess I'll backtrack a little bit. The first, well, one of the first things we see is after Christ rises again, of I think it's the Roman soldiers like basically go out and make up stories, right? right? Of like, so there's already a lot of division, and they're trying to create division on the stories of what Mary is telling everybody of like he's risen, he came back, and they're already trying to create division and what the story is of what's happening with Jesus. So go simpler, okay? You're overthinking. <laughs> go simpler. How often in world history? Have we ever actually seen multiple groups of people of different ethnic backgrounds, cultural traditions, languages, skin color, everything actually working together in harmony? Unfortunately, not too many times. So if now all of a sudden these this is happening. And it, the only common thread is Christ, Christ, and not a monetary or political gain. There has to be something there. Mm-hmm. There has to be. There can't not be anything else. And part of what you were talking about is part of the whole thing as far as why it matters for those coming after the disciples. Because the stories were being passed around, the stories were being changed, and things were being translated and all this, these other things. And yet... For 2,000 years, we've been united under the essentials. We all said, Christ has died for my sin, and now Christ is Lord. We all believe that Christ is one with the Father, and the Spirit is one with the Father. And so, Christ is Lord. Yeah. We all believe that we are called to love one another and serve our communities, and so we do so together because... Christ is Lord. Unity is what separates us out from the rest of the world, even before we get into the theology. Now, the next section, we go a little bit further. And so he says that he wants them to be united around what? Is it God's glory? Well, God's glory is the ultimate goal, and that's the that section of the of the prayer. But there are, there are two things, and they are both very much related, as to what we are actually supposed to be united around. One of them we are you already said, just not explicitly. Look at verse twenty three again. It says, "I am in them; you are in me. May they be made completely one, so the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as." You have loved me. What is it that we actually are united in? Being made in God's image. And and God's love, right? Christ's yes. love. This is how you will, the world will know we are his disciples. Oh, yeah. From what I was saying earlier. Of, That's what I yeah. said. You said it before. <laughs> it is not for this section. Right. You know, this is how they know we are united in love. And it's not love. It is Christ's love, the love that God showed him and now he shows us. Mm -hmm. That is what we are united in and so we show it to each other. But there's one other thing that we are united in and around and that is in verse where we go 26 says, I made your name known to them and you will make it known so the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. And it doesn't seem like it says it, but it does. But there's one word in here that is the key. We are united in love. Love was before. We are united. <laughs> that's I was like, that's the bigger right. one that pops up. We're out united here. in his name, mm. right? God has revealed his name through Christ. 
And now we are to go and make it known to the rest of the world. Christ is the name that we are all unified under. This is why it's no coincidence we are now called Christians. Even though it was used as a slur, this is literally what Christ had been praying for, is that we would be united in love Mm -hmm. under his name. Mm -hmm. The name that God had given him to reveal to the world. And so, Brandon then, what should unity actually look like for us if it is supposed to be around the love of God and the name of God, how are we actually supposed to be united? I think it's just like this. If I think about it in real life examples, when you're getting into a group of of Christians that might not look the same, you just feel like this outpouring of love and almost like a safe space in a way. And I don't like to use that word, but in a way it is of, all right, we're united in Christ. We can carry each other's burdens. We can talk about where we're struggling, how to keep each other accountable. Um, yeah, it really becomes that discipleship area, or at least it should be, <laughs> of partially right. of, of unity. Right. Because you all have the same story, even though all the stories are different. We are all sinners. Now we are all saved. And now we are all working towards the goal. Mm-hmm. We all have experienced the love of Christ. We all have now attached ourselves to Christ's name. And now we are trying to share the love with others. John 17. Yeah. And our intentions should should change too. Of- right. Which is why when we disagree, we now can say our intention should be reconciling. Yeah. Because for me we've experienced to reconciliation. Yeah. So if that's the case... What do we need to do then to actually experience unity as believers here on earth? What do we need to do then, Brandon? I think we need to have conversations of where we're each, well, figuring out being a community of where we're gifted at, too, to create a fully functioning body. That that is actually moving in the right direction. Or I think of fully like a, functioning. I think is of, I think of like a train too. Of there's like multiple moving pieces, and I'll, I was, the one verse I was thinking of was um, Romans twelve. Yes, in verse four and five. For as one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And then it kind of gets into the prophecy um, service teaches. You almost said prosperity gospel. I was like, uh, you're using a different translation. (laughs) No. Yeah. They're getting into the different gifts of prophecy and things like that. We also see this in first Corinthians 12. Mm -hmm. So what does that have to do with what we're talking about today? I think it's taking a look at, okay, so we're, where are we the same, which is being made in God's image and we know who our creator is. And so then figuring out from either an individual standpoint of saying, where has God gifted me? Maybe what has he called me to, or how am I wired? Um, Or also sometimes people might not be able to see that in themselves right? and be able to share or hopefully instill of, okay, is service your gift or is teaching like where can you fit how can we serve alongside you yeah exactly and how can we serve maybe alongside each other or are you best served over here not next to me in a way that we're going to function better again separate but together um well and the you know this is part of what what's really fun is if you you know read that in coordination with the way paul does it and again first corinthians it's 1 Corinthians 12, we have the same sort of thing, not necessarily in the body image, but we have it in the image of, you know, all these different things working together. Spirit gives as he sees fit. But then the next chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, it's all the love stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about love, everything like that. And then he goes into chapter 14, talks about these gifts are the ones that everybody wants because these are the big things. But yet 
all of these things are things that nobody should want because this has so much responsibility and everything. And it all falls back anyway to what we just talked about in chapter 13, which is all again, the love of Christ being what drives us to use our gifts. We're back to John 17. The love and the name of Christ is what drives us. So understanding that allows us to appreciate the gifts that God gives us, which we don't always have trouble doing, <laughs> but especially experiencing the gifts that we see in other people. Mm-hmm. And I think there should be, as we talked about with Paul, accountability. Right. Too, because again, there's going to be people with louder voices than anybody else. So sometimes that, Why'd you look at me that way when you said that? Uh, that's, that's both of us. Not we, we both like to talk in settings anyways. But part of that, you kind of start to rise up with power more or less. Right. And so just because that's how it works. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. So sometimes if you're louder, like that's going to have you people looking at you more. So well, keeping that, that accountability again of the pride, where are we at? Are we still on that common goal? Where did I mess up? And that's first Corinthians 14, mm-hmm. right? You know, desire. Yeah. Good. Desire the, the, you know, higher gifts, quote unquote, of, you know, prophecy, preaching, teaching, desire those things. These are good things to desire because you want to be out there doing it. But if you do that, then you better also understand what we just talked about in chapter 13. Where love is what remains in the end, not the prophecies, not the tongues, not any of this other stuff. Christ's love is what will remain. And so it doesn't matter if this person is given a platform or not. What matters is is that if they have been gifted in that manner, then we need to help them use that in the way that God has designed it for them. And now we get back to 1 Corinthians 1. Because what unfortunately happens a lot of the time when you find somebody that is very charismatic, very loud, that teaches well, and that is obviously gifted in those areas. What is the temptation both from the audience and from the person that has the gift? first we'll deal with those two first (laughs) it's to worship that person whether consciously or not right and that that's the other side that we're not saying that this is a conscious decision yes uh and it could be i want to help in the church or i want to volunteer because of them i don't want to let that person down and so when that person decides to leave what happens again either there's disappointment or they decide to leave with them right and now, or there's unmet expectations because the n- next person who has different gifts, giftings, probably won't fall under that same mold right. that the and other person And this is why, said. you know, unfortunately, one of the, the things that is always advised to, to us in ministry training is that if you see a job opening for a position where the previous person had served there for more than seven years you probably don't want to apply to that position because there are a lot of expectations surrounding coming in after somebody that has held a position that long. Yeah. And their expectations are not going to be told to you until you're up to your evaluation time. And then there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of mixed un- misunderstandings, a lot of mixed feelings, all these sort of things. And it does not allow for there to be a united body doing the work that needs to be done for the community. Yeah. Now, what about what happens, unfortunately, at times to that style of person, as far as the get their style mm-hmm. in general, which we already said they have it, so they have style, <laughs> and those giftings that come along with it, what is, unfortunately, the temptation that comes with that? become self-centered and self-serving of not necessarily self-centered, but self-serving definitely is, is a word that we could apply there. Okay. Just to the fact that it becomes almost a performance. It, it can be become a performance depending upon what they're 
doing either from a uh, pastoral standpoint or worship leader, whatever. Um, but yeah, their heart behind why their purpose is or what they're supposed to be preaching on or teaching on um, changes because it's that expectation becomes like, I have to do this or right. I am bringing the word um, and it's not like through Christ. So yeah, and, it's hard, hard to put a nice well, bow, bow exactly on that. Well, that's exactly what we're <laughs> talking about. You know, that is how the celebrity pastor culture started and it continues. It started here in 1 Corinthians 1. You've got three guys that all have been, you know, called out as apostles and that have been traveling around teaching and establishing this new church. And they all are gifted with the spirit in these different areas and all of them have this charisma that comes with them. It's natural for people to want to latch onto that. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when people latch onto that, suddenly now the feeling is, okay, are they, they're latching onto me. I've got to keep them here. Mm-hmm. I've got to do, or the other side of this is, oh, they're latching onto this. I can actually make some money off of this. <laughs> True. Which unfortunately is the other side of this whole, whole discussion, which is a completely different thing. That's how the prosperity gospel got started. It started off as somebody that was just trying to figure out where they stood with all these different things in scripture. But when they realized that they had something that could be marketed and sold, suddenly it went from Christocentric, which they were already not necessarily Christ-centered in their theology to begin with. But it went from being Christocentric to wallet-centric. The money's coming in, so I've got to keep this going. And this continues on and on and on throughout history. So then the question is, what do we need to do then? Because if this is, if tribalism unfortunately is common and it happens, the bad type of tribalism happens a lot and it's common, what do we need to do then to stop it? Call it out is one of the easier things to say, right. but that's easier said than done. And with some of those examples, we typically don't get the platform to have that one-on-one conversation with said person to be like, right. hey, you have a million followers over here. Like, how am I going to talk to this person uh, to see where their heart is at? Well, and sometimes it's easier not to start with that. Sometimes it's easier to start with the people that are feeding it. Mm. Right. Yeah. I've seen the, especially, followers. especially for some of the bigger ones that we have here in the U S because most of the tribalism in the U S are nationally across the board because of the age of social media, you know, politics are a big one. Denominationalism as far as, oh, well, you Methodists are over here. We Baptists are up here. And so we won't have anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. Or you have to come to my church. Right. You have to come to my church to truly be saved. Yeah, because ours is the best. Right. We dunk. You just sprinkle. So you got to come over here. (laughs) We laugh, but I've heard that exact thing. (laughs) Um, You know, pastor tribalism as far as the big name, big people that tribalism needs to be called out. That's one of those areas where we've already said, that's one area where we have actually called people out by name because of the fact that the role they are in is one where they are pastoring other pastors. And so because of that, tribes form among pastors. And when the pastors form tribes, so do the congregations. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other big one, and this is one where we need to make sure we clarify this thing out, is on the actual theology that we are talking about. Mm. You know, it's easy to tell when a pastor has left his mission behind and is now serving himself. You know, there are some very big examples that we can point to just within the past 10 years. If you want to listen to an entire podcast on it, go look up the rise and fall of Mars Hill. That's literally what we're talking about here is tribalism. (laughs) But the theology stuff is where it gets a little bit interesting because we've already talked about the fact that 
We should be unified under Christ and unified in Christ's love. So what does that mean when we have theological disagreements? What does it mean, Brandon? How do we do this whole unity thing when we have theological disagreements? Should we be unified with somebody that is theologically in error? It depends upon what that theological error is, because we talked about the other week of like, what are the core theological beliefs that we should be rooted in? And one of was um, the Trinity, which we see Jesus talking about in John 17 and being crucified and rising again. So some things there um, in that we are sinners and we must confess that we are sinful and that Jesus again died for us to take that sin away. So there's those core ones that you're we, not going to keep going no, I was gonna just to get the bells. You're not going to keep no, going. I'm not. So there's those core conversations that we need to have that open and honest conversation about of, okay, here's, here's the Bible. Like, this is what Jesus says. Um, this is what the word says. And so like, we got to kind of unite on these. And if not, you got to show me like, where are you coming from? Like, what, what are you seeing? Why is this an essential for you? Yeah. Or why isn't it? Or, or yeah, why isn't <laughs> why this, isn't an, this essential an essential for you? for you? And go from there. Um, and then there's some of those other ones that are gray areas where right. probably every Christian, if you sat down with them, would not have the exact same belief of, across the entire board. And the key for all of this falls back into, again, our three tiers. If we are starting with Christ-centered theology, then if Christ is at the center of the theology, then we should be able to all come back to the same essential doctrines Mm -hmm. because they're all pointing back to Christ. And if Christ is at the center of the theology, then we should be able to find ways to love each other because we are all falling under the same banner. And so when it comes to, you know, these ideas of we unify around the essential doctrines, but ultimately is that we are unifying around Christ as essential. Mm. Christ is our essential, not who you vote for, not whether or not this person believes that this translation is better than this one, not due to the fact that this person listens to this pastor or went to this seminary, not due to the fact that they listen to the Misfits podcast, so obviously they're better than everybody else, which, you know, you are. But, <laughs> you know, any of those sort of things are non-essential. And they are, in a lot of ways, they can be damaging to the unity of the body and unnecessarily damaging to the body. Yeah. The one thing that was coming to mind for me was John 10 with, like, the Good Shepherd and... Ultimately, yeah, who is our shepherd? Because it should be Christ. But if we start following another shepherd, then us as sheep are going to be led astray. But also from that in verse 10 of the thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy. Like that's ultimately what the devil wants to do is create that division. Because when we can find something to wedge in between our relationship, um, whether that's in our marriage with our friends uh, our coworkers, whoever, then like that divide slowly creeps in and has us looking less like Christ. And that, and that's why, you know, ultimately the, the goal of what we're talking about here is that pastors, especially if you have Christ at the center of your theology and Christ is the ultimate essential, then that's going to keep you from first Corinthians one, 10 through 17. It's going to allow you to be able to preach 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. It's going to allow you to preach that with exchanging your name for Paul's. Mm -hmm. And it's going to allow us to actually be able to work together in some fashion. Not necessarily right away. Not necessarily, you know, it's going to be easygoing. But if Christ is at the center and Christ is essential, it takes away the desire for it to be about us. And it puts all the desire, the desire all back on him being glorified, which again is John 17. So let us know what you think. Let us know with a unified five stars that you all agree wholeheartedly. Five stars. Um, 
Brandon, we got anything coming up that we need to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, Tikva's back in session right. for this Tikva's fall. Back. We got the Tikva tea still on our website. The Tikva teas are up as well as all the Here Comes the Misfits stuff uh, that Rob the Elder put up. That that money also goes to Tikva as well. Yep. Uh, we'll ho- hopefully be making the donation to. Yes, the donation the- will be coming soon once I find where our checkbook went. Um <laughs> Once I figure out where we hid the checkbook, then we are going to be. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe that's how you don't spend money. Exactly. It's it's hard to spend money when you don't have it or the thing to pay. The bills don't know where to find you. Exactly. So if you want to help us pay those bills, (laughs) um, patreon.com backslash Mr. Misfits, you can uh, come join us over there. We're also still in the process of figuring out how to do potentially the Patreon Bible study as well. Um, We just got to figure out what a schedule actually looks like. Yeah. A unified schedule actually looks like to be able to do that. And give us feedback. If that is something you're interested in, again, we would have probably a lower level Patreon level that would allow you to participate in that. So let us know. And in the meantime, we will see you all next week. The ministry misfits podcast is a production of ministry misfit media in association with overwhelming victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash Ministry Misfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash Ministry Misfits. 